0: Okay, well, welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. It is indeed what we are. I mean, we aren't that. That is what this thing Mm -hmm. is that we contribute to. to. It exists outside of us. It (laughs) does,
1: it's its own beast. Um, So today we're in Genesis 12 all the way to 21. Seth, why are we making such a big leap? Because this (laughs) is the story of Abraham. Right. So the way that you should be thinking about Genesis is you have your origin story, the Mm -hmm. creation of the world you have the fall and the inevitable descent down into chaos right and then you have three character studies that kind of give you the rest of the book right. yeah. And, yeah and four four four, four sorry right. yeah so you have abraham yep isaac yep jacob and joseph and joseph yeah so if you're reading the book of uh genesis, genesis. <laughs> it would be great to do it in 6 days oh okay and then and then days seven days seven the <laughs> <arrest>. <laughs> You set yourself up. For I, that. Did, I, I did. I really liked it. I did. That's that's
0: called a self alley oop, where you oh, throw the ball off the yeah. backboard and then dunk it yourself. And I did it. It's the most selfish play in basketball. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So we are we're gonna try to fly over um, each of these four characters because um, there's so many amazing and strange stories in Genesis, and we we thought it'd be most helpful to not get lost in the weeds. Yep. Um, but to give you a overview of each of these characters and what God is doing through them, and because, how each of those characters
1: yeah. do and do not point to Jesus, yeah, how they're examples
0: of Jesus, and also <laughs> why we still need Jesus. Why, and why need they? Jesus. And because let's let's go back. Let's. I think the one thing we need to make sure we review as we start talking about um, chosen descendants and birth and sons is we need to go back and remember that. The, the After the fall, and after sin into the world, and death started to own the world, and everything was broken, God promised that one seed would come out of Eve's line. A particular um, descendant would rise out of Eve's children, and that descendant would crush death forever, and would bring people back into the garden with God. Yes. And so we've been waiting for that one son over and over and over again. And until
1: this point, that's all we've been waiting for. We've been waiting for a son. Yep. A son, a family member, a patriarch, yep. something. Yep. And, and for the first time, it escalates. In Genesis twelve, this is actually like the the center of the book of Exodus oh, of Genesis. Oh, Genesis. Yeah, it's definitely. Like, it switches from hoping for a son for the to the promise of a nation.
0: Oh right. And yeah. so
1: we actually get like this development. In the plan of God, so Genesis one to eleven is the down, like the constant downward spiral into chaos and sin. Right. And at the bottom of that just despair heap, God says, "I will raise up a nation." Yeah. So it's a it's an innovation in what God is doing right. through human, humanity. Yeah, it,
0: it, it's an innovation, but it's also um, a restoration of God's original intent for yes us as image bearers to cover the earth with His glory. Like, the creation mandate was to take care of the soil, to grow it, to fill the earth, and multiply and fill the earth. And so he's bringing that back. And he's saying that, like, the point wasn't just one son, but to have one son that would be a blessing to all nations. That's right. Uh, And we also see that as an antidote to the bottom of the, what'd you call it, the (laughs) the despair pile? (laughs) The despair heap. The despair (laughs) (laughs) heap. I like that. Uh, At the bottom of that, what we just finished reading with the Tower of Babel was, there's the disease just went out to all nations. Like sin just went, brokenness just went out into all nations because there were these people that were trying to be God, set up their own empire. God confused their language and sent them out. And so now what's covering the whole earth is brokenness and sin and self-aggrandizement. It's the fall is covering the whole earth. And so now enter Abraham in Genesis 12 and the covenant God's going to make with him, the promise he's going to make with him.
1: And we're going to find that there's an antidote Yes. which
0: is this all-nation promise,
1: and it's I think it hel- it's helpful for one of the other major themes that you'll see throughout the Bible is this idea of representative, like a representative. Oh yeah, acting right. on behalf of or in place of an entire nation or body of people. Right, and so we really we get that in Adam in the sense like yep. in Adam all die, but really in the narrative this is the first time we see it like explicitly mentioned. Yeah,
0: I mean because you do like, see that like God made man in His image right yes. and the whole idea was as they are fruitful and multiply that headship will continue that people will be continued to be made in the image of god but what we see in i think it's genesis 5 is adam has a child i think it's seth and it says that and he he bore he bore seth in his own image yeah and so this representative headship of adam in the fallen world is he is Progenating is that a word? Progenating, I don't know. He's like expanding it. his yeah. his own image. He's this sowing head his of yes, yeah, <laughs> sowing his wild oats like Dwight Schrute, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and so I think we get a hint of it there. But this right. is really explicit. Right, as, uh, here's what he Now
1: the Lord said to Abram, "I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those that bless you." Uh, and him who dishonors you, I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So it's a big deal. Big deal. It's a big, it's a reverse of the curse in a nation coming from Abraham's line.
0: Mm. Oh, because all the, the nations whole... of the
1: earth will be blessed.
0: Because right now all the nations of the earth are cursed. Is that what you're saying? That's right. Okay. Yeah. 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 I get that. Okay. And so the idea of headship then that you're talking about is he's saying you, a lot. He's like, right? You know, I, I I choose you, and I'll bless you. And whoever curses you, I'll curse. Whoever blesses you, I'll bless. But really, he's talking about a whole nation that will come from Abraham. That's right. All his That's children,
1: right. which is why his name changes from Abram to Abraham at Later. some point in the yep. story. Mm-hmm. And so, really, the whole narrative arc of Abraham is from this promise to the fulfillment of this promise. From you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And that requires Abraham to have a child, right? At so, least, but <laughs> at least you, one. You would think many. <laughs> you would think many. So, but subversively, it's yes. only one. Yes. And all the way in Genesis chapter twenty-one, uh, Abra- Abraham's wife Sarah yep. has the baby. Yep, right. And the line continues.
0: Right. And this covers these the, these few chapters from twelve to twenty-one. Cover almost thirty years of time. So God promises it 30 years, 30 years of waiting for this promise to come through,
1: which is one of the reasons, one of the most important things we need to understand about Abraham is that he's consistently in the new Testament commended for his faith. faith. Yeah. Like he has real faith in the Lord's promises. He waits 30 years based on the Lord's previous goodness and uh, trustworthiness to him. He waits on him. He's not a perfect character. Nope. Not a moral, not always the most moral character, but he does have faith, and that's what's counted to him as righteousness. Which essentially means that God said that's what it takes to be the recipient of my blessing. Yes, is faith, right? Not your moral aptitude, not your your ingenuity. And he's going to try to like grab the promises of God for himself a couple different ways. He's going to try to protect the promises of God Mm -hmm. for himself a couple different ways. But that's not what that's not what secures the promise of right. god it's just his faith yep which is yeah how we're saved in jesus as well paul yeah, exactly picks up in galatians why are we saved by jesus by faith because abraham was believed god and it was counted to him as righteousness so now right. we
0: believe and throw our trust on jesus and it's counted kind of less which i i love this idea using like using abraham as a way to teach us more about what the word faith means because faith is one of those Christianese terms that's really ambiguous it seems yeah but here we see okay what would it mean if god came to you seth and was like y- you're because we haven't even said this that his wife is barren right and very they're both they're both old advanced in years 75 yeah 75 <laughs> and he's he says okay you guys haven't been able to have children for the the 55 years of your marriage or whatever um but uh, you're gonna have a child how old is sarah in this by the way i mean she gives birth at 90 so she's got to be sixties, okay? Yeah, like yeah, late fifties or early sixties. would because in
1: the next story, it's like they go to Egypt and she's considered very beautiful by all the princes of Egypt. So I was like, I, w- I was wondering, like, what, <laughs> like, was like Abraham like marrying like some girl in her thirties really while he was seventy-five? No, I didn't. Anyway. I, I think they're ten years apart. Ten years apart. Yeah. Okay, okay.
0: And so um, that's really funny, though. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but she must have been really beautiful if by. Sixty. She Sixty. She was still Like Helen, Mirren, kind yeah, of. Helen Mirren. Yeah, Helen Mirren. Yeah, definitely. And so, but but this idea of faith, you'll, you'll have a child, and it takes 30 years, you know? And it's like, what what, is it, what does it mean to have faith in this promise? It's to just, it just adds something, another element of, of that word to me, where it's like, I just trust that that's going to be true.
1: Like, you know? Right, like, right,
0: right. And it's like, that's what it based means. Based on
1: what God has already done in choosing me, right. based on what God has Talking already to done to, like, preserve a line up to me right and really at this point that's all abraham has yep we don't have the party of the red sea nope we don't have like some crazy act of god besides creation itself right so he's it is kind of a remarkable that abram has faith in a god that we don't know how he's proven himself faithful yet right right because normally when you read david or you read any of the other any other bible character what do they do they go back
0: to the exodus to the
1: exodus story Mm -hmm. and say this is how great God was in the past. This is how good He'll be in the future. Yes, and really, all Abram does is trust God at His word. Mm. And at this point in the story, that's actually profound because what does every, what does other every other potential new Adam do? Oh, they just fail at God's word. They don't trust God at right. His word. Don't eat this tree. Yep. Uh, you know, like right. Render the right sacrifice. Do the right sacrifice.
0: Yeah, that's right. Uh, fill the earth and subdue it. And you know, don't you know, commit some horrible sexual sin.
1: No. Yeah. Nobody god at his word until abraham right yeah. so it, it's it's really profound like it is it, it comes back to the question will you trust god at his word right even when it doesn't make sense and even when sometimes you don't have basis for it mm-hmm. for us as christians we always can look back to the cross and say right. jesus died and rose from the dead for me yeah for my our sins, new exodus story our new exodus story we can always look back but abraham didn't have that luxury <laughs> right
0: which is profound it really is it really is But I just love that image of what it means for us to have faith in Jesus. It's, do we trust that he's going to do what he said he said he's going to do? Right. That he's going to come back and claim a people for himself, that he's going to be a just judge that doesn't judge us based on our right or wrong actions, but on his mercy and his sacrifice. And it's like, yeah, I trust that. Okay. Now will you live 90 years trusting that? You know, like that's, that's what faith is. It's just, it's like. Just trusting. I, I love that word in, as a placeholder for faith, it's just yeah. trust. Trust. So, anyway, uh, faith, is, faith is a big deal for Abraham, so I think it's good to And, it, and it will down.
1: continue to be a big deal throughout the narrative, yes. so it's good to establish this. Yes. So, the first thing that happens is they promise this thing, and Abraham goes on a journey to go into his promised land.
0: Okay, so Ab- Abram. Abraham not Abraham explore. right now. We're going to try yeah. to keep that distinction. <laughs> it's, not going, it's not going to work. Uh, he sets off to go to this land that God has said that he's going to bring him to. Now, we haven't talked about the land. It's a very important part of this. Right. That he's going to, uh, he tells him in the in the first promise in twelve one, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house, which is every identif- identifiable factor that a person from this time can have. It's like, go from where you live. From your extended family and from your dad, which is like yeah. for a familial culture, right? That's leaving everything behind and go to the land that I will show you. Now, he doesn't say, like, go to Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, right? He's like, go to some place out there that I'll tell just you start about walking. later, just start walking, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so that's what Abram does, and like, uh, and he doesn't even tell him why, like, what's gonna happen when he gets there or anything like that. Like, we know that it's a like, it was God's plan. It's it's Eden. Like, if you're yeah. thinking, if you're reading this straight through, and you get to, oh, what's this mysterious land? It's Eden. It's like, the new Eden. Where, what do, right. I mean, what are, we, what are we trying to get back to this whole time? It's, God's trying to bring him back to Eden.
1: And so he starts walking, and where does he end up? <laughs> he ends up in Egypt. Yeah. <laughs> he ends up in Egypt. And what's what you should know about this, we're not going to spend a ton of time on no. it, but this little this little story actually foreshadows the entire book of Exodus. Right. Israel, the progenitor of Israel. Right. Israel Go, is in his loins. In his loins, which is what Paul says. Yes, am so fine, fine. And he goes into Egypt. Abraham has one of his character flaw moments yep. where he lies about the identity of his wife. Says it's his sister, and allows his wife to be taken into the harem of the king of Egypt. But as soon as he's taken into the, she's taken into the harem, all these plagues start coming yep. against Egypt. The king. Has to bow before the god of Abraham, yep. gives Sarah Sarai back, and then they plunder the Egyptians, taking with them all these treasures. Yeah. Which is the storyline. <laughs> the whole storyline of, of the, the Exodus book of Exodus <laughs> happens right here. Right. I don't know why the author has chosen to foreshadow it. Mm. I don't know quite the function of this story besides foreshadowing. Right. But maybe what would you say? Oh, man, I don't
0: know. Uh, I, I, I think it has to probably do something with the fact that God is showing that He can he's faithful in the small things, that there's this one-on-one interaction that Abram is having with this king, and God is going to be faithful to rescue his people, which are right now all in Sarah's womb, <laughs> yeah. from this king, and give give Abraham and bless him with all the spoils that he needs, kind of in spite of him. You know, and so I think the, this oral tradition of this story would have
1: been passed we, down. When you say that, what we have to remember is yeah. the people reading this, people reading the Book of Genesis, have actually already survived the Exodus. Right. They've right, already right. been through Egypt. Yep. They may be in the desert wandering, yep. or about to enter the Promised Land. So they've actually have a, a history of being through this. So if you're a first century Israelite. Coming to read this text, you would have actually known that this is a foreshadow because you've already lived through it, or your parents did, or yeah, your, gra- your right, grandparents did. Right, right.
0: But I think also, if you let's say you didn't have this text yet, is what I'm yeah. saying, and you just had this story that Abraham lived through that he told his son, and his son, and his son, and his son. I mean, these people knew who the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were. Like, that's just a term that gets thrown around uh, in Exodus. And so I think this oral tradition would have shown, like, man, how do we know that God will actually rescue us from Egypt whenever we're enslaved? Like, mm. h- like what what promise did Moses have that God would actually be able to rescue a people from Egypt? It's like, oh, well, he right. rescued Abraham from Egypt and all of our ancestors through Sarah's, Sarah's womb. Right. So it's like, he's been faithful in small things. He, he'll be faithful in big things. It's Even before we it.
1: were in exile for 400 years, he was already rescuing us from mm. Egypt. Right. So that's like good. maybe part of it, I think too. Maybe it's like God protecting the family line, the mm. chosen rate, the chosen line, the seed of this, the, yeah. the the of the of Eve. Right. Oh, by not letting another king sleep with her. Right. Oh, and if you think about this, maybe he's
0: also letting them go into the courts of a king to show that's not how my line is going to be developed. Like, if mm. anyone should impregnate Sarah, shouldn't it be a king? Like, if there oh, was going right. to be some kingly line, right. shouldn't it be the king of Egypt? Like, who's Abraham? Like, yeah, like who's yeah. this loser? And God's like, no, 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 no. I'm going to rip her out of there. I don't want her to bear a king's son. I want her to bear my chosen one's son. Like, that's pretty interesting to think about.
1: That is interesting. Yeah,
0: so from humbleness.
1: From humbleness, Yeah. protection, yep. God preserves, God's Showing in charge. And again, yep. like, who's going to bring the promise? God's going to bring the promise. Right. He's bringing curses or plagues. Yep. He's protecting. He's bringing them out. And then gives them favor. All they take with them the treasures right. of Egypt, right? And then we quickly move on to yes. another story about uh, Lot and Abram separating and right. going their own ways. Why is Lot?
0: This Lot is Lot is Abram's nephew. Yes. Right. Yeah. He's Uncle Abe. Uncle Abe. Uncle Abe, Abe <laughs> and nephew <laughs> Lot, and um, they get to, they they end up having so much wealth after leaving Egypt that they can't even be in the same area together because their sheep start eating each other's grass and their shepherds are yelling at each other and they're angry with each other. And so they're like, hey, why should we argue? We're family. Let's just split up. And there's so much land around us. Let's just kind of spread out. And, uh, And Abraham. Uh, gives the gives Lot the first choice. The first choice, and he's like, "Which one will you choose?" And Lot ends up choosing what he thinks is the better play because it's by like water and streams of life. It looks fertile, but he ends up choosing the land closer to sin, uh, because he he chooses the land next to Sodom and Gomorrah, and Abram ends up moving closer toward where the promised land would be, away from sin, and it wasn't even his choice. Which is just another picture of how God is providing for his chosen people. Uh, and I love that his name's Lot, because it's like the whole idea of cast- casting lots. It seems it's random. Like, it seems
1: like a chance. like Lots are right.
0: Yep, lots are right. Right, yeah. And the lots are always right. <laughs> <laughs> and so we're just, God is showing that he's going to preserve his people and bring Him to himself, right. even in spite of them.
1: Again and again, that's what we're going to see throughout Genesis. And what happens is Lot goes into this land that he thinks is going to be great, and he ends up getting captured right by some of the kings of this land didn't go well and abram has to go back in and rescue him right. from all those kings right and there's this big coalition of five different armies yep abraham goes in so who knew that abraham was abram right was a military leader at this point but apparently he has enough of an army to go and fight this coalition yep. chase them down through the mediterranean and the <laughs> mesopotamian crescent and rescues lot
0: right which is a which is then if, if the if the previous story was a picture of the Exodus, this is a story of the conquest. Right? Of and it. so oh, yeah, yeah. So after they left Exodus, it's a foreshadowing so of what happened in the book of Joshua. That's right. Is after they after the Exodus, then there's like the wanderings, which they you, we kind of see um Abraham walking through the desert and walking through the wilderness, visiting some of the same cities that Israel will visit in their wanderings, and then we have this conquest moment where the one who delivered them out of Egypt is now the military leader who is going to use his small band of men to drive out nations and kings bigger than him and again it's the same thing we're getting this foreshadowing to show that god was faithful in small things so he'll be faithful again like it's just it's just a foreshadowing of the book of exodus oh the whole torah and joshua even yeah and what
1: happens after the end after god provides victory in battle for abram he comes away with just a Tons of spoils. Tons of, of spoils. And as he's coming spoils back. Spoils on spoils. Spoils on spoils. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yes, he comes out with lots of spoils. And as he's going uh, back home, he meets this man named Melchizedek. Yes. King of Salem.
0: Just rolls off the tongue.
1: So uh, I like to call him old, old Milky. Old Milky. Old Milky. I like to call him Mel, <laughs> but that's fine. And uh, he brings out bread and wine. And he's the all we're told about him is his name, yep. where he's from, and the fact that he's a priest of the God Most High. Right. So this should strike us as strange for a couple of different reasons. Because, one, there's no priesthood described in the Bible yet. Nope. So we don't have the book of Leviticus yet. The people reading this would have known about the book of Leviticus. right? And so they would have had ideas about what this probably means. Right, and they would
0: know that a priest for of the God Most High must come from Aaron's line. But Aaron right. hasn't even been born yet, right? It's a and long way. And so that's in the why future. his
1: name and where he's from is so important, right? So Melchizedek means prince of righteousness,
0: just a dope name. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then Salem means peace, right? So he's the prince of righteousness from the town of peace. peace. So, oh, interesting, it's very interesting. He, and yeah, he, and he, yeah, go oh, ahead. No, 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 you, no, 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 you. But yeah, and and he's
0: and there's he's. Unlike everyone else in Genesis, he's not given a line. Like, who's his dad? How long? How long has he been alive? I don't know. No, he just pops and, into yeah. the story, and then he doesn't die. And so he's just like he breaks all the rules,
1: right? And so yes, and yeah. so why that's it, and not that he doesn't die. He probably does die, right? Right. But, but, but the story doesn't right. record his family lineage, which the story has been obsessed about so obsessed. far. Obsessed. And it doesn't record his death, which is the story it's so also far has a bit also obsessed. been obsessed about. So he just kind of pops into the story like he's always been existing, yep. and then he always will exist, and then he just fades in the back. Right. And what? And so what does he do then with, with Abram? He blesses him. Right. Blessed be Abram by God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High who has delivered your enemies into your hand. He blesses him. He says yeah. the God Most High is blessing what's just happened and your life and what's to come.
0: Yeah, and then Abram uh, tithes to this priest, which is something that they do at the tabernacle and yes. like that we learn about later in Leviticus that like you bring some of what you have to the priest to help fund them. Right. And Abram takes a tenth of everything he just got from these spoils of war and gives it to Melchizedek.
1: The seemingly random priest. Right. Right.
0: And then I think that's the thing that Hebrews ends up picking up on in the New Testament about like how Abram... Like gave something to a priest. I can't remember what the point he's making there.
1: Yeah, Jesus is compared to Melchizedek, right? <laughs> well, I knew that part. <laughs> um, so, um, Jesus is compared to Melchizedek, right? And but the first thing we need to talk about is the fact that Melchizedek um, is given this ten percent right. tie of yep. everything that Abraham has, right? And so Hebrews seven picks up on this because remember the Israelites know that the sacrificial system, all the priest things already been set up. Right. We're past that point historically. Yeah. But they're reading back into this text, all those things. And what they're seeing is Abraham, the father of Levi, the high priest, the one who is in charge of all of the sacrifices, Mm -hmm. the original priest of priests, right? Right. He, and this is what Paul says, like Levi is actually in a sense still, Inside Abraham, in his loins. In his loins is what he says. Yeah, (laughs) And so he says when Abraham gives this tenth to this Melchizedek, it's in a sense Levi, the priest Mm -hmm. of priests, is also giving a tenth of his spoils to this this, this, uh, Melchizedek as well. So there's a higher priest even before the priesthood was established. (laughs) Right. So like you only give an offering or sacrifice to someone who is higher than you. Oh, right. And so, if Levi, the priest of priests, mm-hmm. is offering a sacrifice, offering a tithe to another priest, that priest must be greater than even Levi. Right. And so, when Paul—or not the author of Hebrews—picks this <laughs> up, we don't know if it was Paul or not. Right. But he um, he says, "So then, if that's true, mm-hmm. and if this priest must be better than Levi, it must be Jesus."
0: Right. He has, no, he, he has no lineage, so it seems like he lives forever. Right. He's this so, king of righteousness and peace. Yep. right. It, he never dies in the story. So he's just like Jesus was resurrected, eternally living. And he is the higher priest who has been from eternity past, eternity future, to whom all must pay homage and who supersedes every sacrificial system right. and who ultimately is the one who even Abraham and his descendants, the people of Israel, who are the covenant people of God, end up paying homage to. Which shows us like th- that even this line that God is building for the people of Abraham will eventually go outside of f- Abraham's own family. It will be a blessing to all nations. Yes.
1: Because he's even paying homage to someone who's not in his line. So for a modern listener, why yep. is a priest necessary? Oh. So like we, we need to understand that in order to have a relationship with God— mm-hmm. A priest was always needed yes. to facilitate that relationship. If you wanted to come into God's presence, if you wanted to ask a favor of the Lord, if you wanted to make a prayer request, you need to have a priest there with you to help facilitate that relationship. Right. That, and in a lot of in a lot of religions, it's transactional. You give God a certain sacrifice, He responds with giving you a prayer commensurate mm-hmm. to that sacrifice. Yep. But this priest Melchizedek mm. and then Jesus of is of a totally different kind. Right. This priest doesn't seem to die. Mm -hmm. This priest seems to live forever. And if that's the case, then the relationship that that type of priest can offer you Mm. is an eternal one. Wow. Because all other priests die. Mm -hmm. Your relationship with God dies with that priest. Right. Your relationship can only go so far as the priest goes. Right. But if your priest lives forever, Mm. your relationship with that God can also live with ever. which is the hope. Of the new high priest, King Jesus. Right. In his death is actually eternal priestly life mm. for all believers. We can have a relationship with God unmediated by some man or some sacrifice. We can go straight to the throne of grace, right? Always, forever. Because
0: not only is our priest eternal, our priest is God himself. Yes. Yeah, which is amazing. And I didn't even think about this, but what is Abraham offering this priest, this God like priest? He's offering him the very things God had just given him in the spoils of war, and so it, it, it's like he's not buying anything; he's right. giving back to God what was already given to him. And so I just think that's an interesting grace. A lot factor. of us don't
1: understand why we need priests, right? But like, think about the reason why you need a counselor. Mm. Like a lot, I, th- I think, like people in the counseling profession will even admit them themselves as secular priests, mm. because a lot of times we feel at such dissonance with ourselves. Oh, sure. we need to go to another to help us understand who we are in light of the truth. Mm. We understand who we are and how to be okay with ourselves, to handle our sense of guilt, handle a sense of shame. And we go to someone who is an expert in these matters Mm. to absolve us or absolve us of guilt or shame or or, or these feelings of inadequacy. Mm. And so the way that we treat counselors was the way that ancient people treated priests. And what we're told in Jesus is that we have a counselor, a priest Who is always there for us, mm. whose counsel is eternal, it's ultimately true, and who will always come near and who will always provide for us the things that we need. He never dies. He lives forever, and he's always with you.
0: Okay, so uh, we just finished talking about Melchizedek, and now we move on to, because we have to remember in all of this, Abraham's still waiting on this son. Yes, like a lot has been going on, and I mean, he's waging wars, yeah. he's
1: splitting up lands, he's dividing all of his and this whole property. time, he's like
0: so. God totally talked to me and told me we would have a son, and Sarah's still barren. So like, you, you got to be wondering what what he's thinking. And God comes to him and makes and renews the promise, which is really kind of God to give him another touch point and and say like, right, I, right, right. I I'm not I haven't forgotten you. And what he does is he ends up. Um, performing a ceremony for him to confirm this covenant, to basically like, if the last time was a verbal agreement in chapter twelve, in here in chapter fifteen, this is the signed contract. Yeah. Right. And so what he does is he basically has him set up an ancient ritual, which people would often do whenever a promise was made, an agreement or a covenant was made between between two people. They were to take uh, several different animals, cut them in half, and lay them out to form
1: kind of an aisle. Where yeah. you would
0: pass through I think the divided like, bodies, and yeah, you like hold, hold hand,
1: hands, yep, and walk through. That's right. And the idea was, if either of us breaks the terms of the agreement, may our bodies be split open, be split open like these like animals. These animals, right. right? So
0: that's this is how serious the covenant is.
1: And look at the way, look how it begins. Oh yeah. So God begins by saying, "Go out and look at all the stars. Do you see how many their stars are? I promise your descendants will be that many." which is big promise a big promise and Abraham's you know 80 years old at this point with a barren wife with a barren wife and he believes God and counts it and God counts it as righteousness this right. goes back to what we said at the beginning faith faith trust yep. that God can be trusted at his word is what secures for him this covenant this rat this like signed contract right. from the Lord that he will actually do it yeah. so then God sets up this big elaborate <laughs> thing in which he will sign a contract saying, right. "I will bring this to you." And the crazy
0: thing that happens here is normally both covenant partners would walk through this aisle of animals, but Abraham falls asleep. Abraham and, and like <laughs> and yeah, Abraham like yeah falls asleep because he's waiting on God. He's like, right. "Do this and wait for me." Abraham falls asleep. He wakes up, and he sees like a vision: God alone, like a flaming pot or a smoking pot vessel, going through the animals by himself. And what God is showing there is He's saying, "I." Will be the one who keeps the covenant, even in spite of you.
1: I, uh, right, I'll keep it in spite of you. And whether you break the covenant, Mm -hmm. I will never break mine. I will never break mine. Right. But regardless of who breaks it, I will bear the penalty. Oh, right. Right. Because whoever breaks the covenant will be
0: torn in two. Oh, but now, but the the one who broke the covenant isn't in in the Isle of Animals. Right. And so God is saying, I will bear the punishment for the broken covenant. And thereby keep the covenant.
1: Yeah. Even if you break the covenant, wow. Abraham, I'll, I'll be
0: torn p- apart for it. Wow. Which was what we see in Jesus. That's, <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> right? That's amazing. Yeah. That's what Jesus is doing on the cross. He's saying like, I am the covenant keeper and the one who's taking the punishment that because you broke the
1: covenant. I've been faithful since eternity. I've always been mm-hmm. careful pursuing my people, loving my people, desiring my people, wanting people to join me. Yeah. And what's the consistent story of Genesis and humanity in general is that we don't care. Right. We don't trust God at his word. We think we're better suited to solve our own problems than the Lord is. Yep. And we reject him, and we reject him, and we reject him. And on the cross, Jesus does what he promised he would do. God did. God promised he would do for Abraham. He notices that we are the ones keeping break of the covenant. He says, but I'll bear the curse. Right. I'll be torn apart.
0: Despite everything evil we keep doing, God has this just steady plumb line of good intended for us, which yes. is why uh, when, when we release the Genesis poem... Uh, the through line, four times in it, I say this through line. Genesis demonstrates that God can take all the evil we create and make something good. And he does so not because he has to or even because he should, but because he made gracious promises that he would. Yeah, And it's like, that's it. It's like, no matter how much evil we do, God makes good on it, which right. is amazing. And so we turn again and we see this continue to happen. Abra- Abraham just had this amazing experience with God. And then we turn the page. God's going to keep his promise. He's going to keep his promise. He's going to do it himself. He's going to do it at the cost of himself. Right, right. right. And then Abraham has this lapse of faith. Sarah Sarah is getting frustrated. She's like, when's this promise going to be fulfilled? I'm getting getting frustrated. I mean, imagine the woman's shame in this situation. Imagine Sarah's shame that she feels. Like, am I so broken that God comes and talks to us and to you? And but I'm never. I'm never even. I got. Not even God can fix me. Like I'm that barren. I'm that broken. Like yeah. I mean, I can't. I really sympathize with Sarah there. Like yeah. that's hard. And so she says, "Why don't you have sex with my slave girl Hagar, and she can bear this promise for us? Because clearly I'm not good enough to do it." Right. And so Abram God can't use me. Right. Use. God can't use me. So use someone else. So Abra- Abram acquiesces and um, ends up bearing a child with Sarah's. Slave, Hagar, yeah. and this child and, is named
1: Ishmael. And we should just note, this is not—we're This we're not supposed to copy Abraham here. Oh, no. We're not supposed to, like this is abusive, right. what they do to— Oh, this is
0: supposed to seem broken and wrong. Right. Like,
1: right. They, they, they abduct this girl from Egypt. Yep. They uh, force— this Lady to marry Abraham, right? And even the words used here, it's the way take,
0: mm-hmm. like
1: it's used elsewhere in the Bible to when Eve takes the fruit, right? It's like used, uh, when I think when um, Tamar is raped, oh, like, man. so yeah. like, it's not taking it, that which doesn't belong to you, right? It's not right. healthy what's happening no. here, it's abusive,
0: right? Which it's, is a good note to, right, for people yeah. to, who are reading the Bible to, to realize is just because something's in the Bible is not meant it's, it's not supposed to be copied. It's communicating something to us, but it doesn't mean that every single story in the Bible we're supposed to copy. And that is definitely the case here with Abram and Sarah and what they're doing.
1: And so, but what ends up happening is that she has a son right. named Ishmael. Yep. And so automatically, and then she gets jealous. Sarai gets jealous. Yep, of course. Kicks Hagar and Ishmael out of the house. And as they're about to die in the desert, she cries to the Lord, mm-hmm. and the Lord promises to preserve Hagar. Right. Which is crazy, because he, Ishmael ends up becoming part of this uh, wrong line, mm-hmm. the line that's not the chosen line. But the Lord repeats the the, the creation mandate, mm-hmm. be fruitful and multiply, but also the, commit, the uh, promise to bless the world through Ishmael. Right. So somehow... God has a chosen line that will multiply and fulfill the earth and bless the earth, but the other line will do the same as well. Right. Which is, I don't... It's still a child of Abraham. It's still a child of Abraham. Right. And
0: so this is still inside of God's covenant people because he's a child of Abraham. But he's what he's saying is, he's saying, but this is not the chosen singular line that will lead to the singular seed that will fulfill the promise I made in Genesis 3.15, that there will be one seed who will rise up and crush the head of death and sin. Like... That's not going to yeah. be you, Ishmael, or, or any of your children. But that doesn't mean you're forgotten. It doesn't mean you're cast out. I still will bless you because you're Abraham's child. And based off of his faith and my, cho- my choice of him, I also choose you. Yeah. Right? But Ishmael, you're not going to be the one to fulfill the promise.
1: And this is said in such a way that Hagar's response is, Lord, you see me. Yeah. She feels seen. You are the God who sees. Yeah, which is which, super cool, super cool. Which is a beautiful way to describe the Lord. Like even when we are literally the outcast, mm-hmm. when we're when we are the product of sin, mm-hmm. the Lord still sees us. Yeah. The Lord still sees us.
0: And imagine if you were an Israelite who had just left Egypt after being oppressed there for hundreds of years, reading the story because isn't she an Egyptian? She's an Egyptian. Yeah, and so God's like choosing her, seeing her, like saying I'm gonna bless you, all this stuff, and it's like, no, not her. Like, we don't like the Egyptians. But then later on, it's a constant theme. Um, I think it's even picked up in Deuteronomy that God promises that even Egypt will be blessed through you, and like, and like, and then there's prophets uh, that that say that eventually I will call Egypt my son and in my chosen one, and that's what we see. This is a promise. Right. This is this is a, a foretaste of the promise that God's made to Abraham that he'll be a blessing to all nations. Even the yeah. outcasts, even those who have been God's enemy in the past, God will see them and bless them because of his covenant here with Abraham.
1: I keep thinking, too, in this moment about Jesus and the woman caught in adultery. Mm. So that whole story is told in such a way where it's clearly like the Pharisees are setting up this woman to be like they're setting this woman up. Where's the man in this situation? It's just the woman. Like right. Clearly, like this woman is at like being taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. To prove the Pharisees' point, point. and Jesus comes and he's he sees her. He right. says, "Who else here can? Whoever's not sin, cast the first stone." And right. there's obviously we don't know even know if the story is original, original, right? But I like one of one of the things our pastor said. He's like, "It may not be uh, original, yeah, but it might be true, right?" And it's definitely within the character of Jesus, yes, yeah, to do something like this. <laughs> like he this. says, "Who in this? Who here's sin? You cast the first stone, right?" and then he looks at her sees her and says who is there to condemn you mm-hmm. go and sin no more so I, I don't know i see like this sexually broken woman mm-hmm. this sexually abused woman right and jesus sees them cares for them yeah doesn't accuse them but encourages
0: them to yeah it's cool because yeah. it's like it doesn't matter in abraham or sarah's case what sin you commit it, and it doesn't matter in hagar and ishmael's case where you're from Right, and what's been done to you, God can see you and bless you through both. Right, Ni- neither one is going to exclude you from that promise. Okay, so let's recap what all we've seen in Abraham's life so far because we've been through a lot. I mean, we're surveying decades of material here. Um, and so, God comes in and makes a promise, yes, makes a covenant in chapter 12. Right. And then they set out to go to this land that he's promised him. Uh, He goes into Egypt foretelling the Exodus story, uh, leaves with great riches, so much so that him and Lot have to separate. Lot ends up going towards Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham goes more towards the promised land, which is like God confirming which of the two seeds he's choosing. God.
1: Abraham has this great victory in battle. He meets oh, this right. high priest named Melchizedek. He yep. offers him offerings. God redoubles his covenant with him. But even after God like redoubles his covenant, Abraham tries to take the covenant for himself yes. through Hagar. But then even in Abraham's sin, God is still gracious to him. So right. just like in the fall, when Adam and Eve sinned, God still gave them the blessing— that there would be a son who would come after them. God redoubles the, mm. the, the the announcement of a blessing of a coming son to Abraham. And what's unique here is that this promise will last forever. Oh, right. So the descendants we have already know about, uh, God's the land we already know about, God's faithfulness we know about. But here we're told that God's faithfulness will last forever.
0: Yeah. Um, An everlasting covenant. Yes. Okay. So... Um, and with this now we have a sign that comes with this third redoubling or yeah. something, right? the so third time the promise is is confirmed. Third time. Third time. The, tra- the, 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 <laughs> the God. The God. We don't want to say the charm. Is that? Is that charm? He- is, is that heathenistic of, of the evil of one? The evil one. <laughs> <laughs> it's pagan. Um, and so this time he gives him a sign, and that sign is the sign of circumcision, mm-hmm. which um, everyone loves to talk about. Everybody
1: loves to talk about <laughs> circumcision. I, as a student pastor, you it, love it. It is one of the most difficult. Yes and the quickest guarantee of like an a a, a rapt audience a rapt oh, audience they just they're in they're in cuz it's you start,
0: like you're talking about you're that out, thing you're talking about penises <laughs> there it is <laughs> it,
1: it happens <laughs> right you have to talk about it <laughs> you have it. to talk about it yeah
0: and so um why why circumcision why is this promise that god is making him then confirmed with a sign that has to do with a man's
1: penis i honestly don't know. <laughs> I always think about it like, well, we don't know why God just well, said do it.
0: <laughs> well, I think we do have some good reasons. <laughs> um, so what's what's God's promise all about uh, from Genesis 3.15 all the way here to Abraham? It's about offspring. It's about reproduction. And so God is saying, I have marked off your reproductive organs for a plan that I have. And so he's literally saying that I am coming in and putting a sign on your reproductive organ to show you that I will do what I'll say I'm going to do. I'm going to mark it off. And so, like, I, bu- I buy that. You buy that, yeah. <laughs> well, I think most commentators do too. So it's probably <laughs> probably a wise just, thing
1: to do. <laughs> go, go, I actually just haven't read that. I had no idea. That makes a lot of sense.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so I think that, that's what God's doing here. And he, he, you know, he talks still talks about him being a father of a multitude of nations and making him in verse six of chapter seventeen exceedingly fruitful. And so I mean, he's talking about all this stuff that comes from his loins, and then he tells him to do something. With his loins. And so I think it's probably what God is doing here. And, um, and so he says you're going to take your uh, every eight-day-old newborn in his line is to undergo this sign of circumcision um, so that all throughout their generations, right, no matter how many generations they go through, the children of Abraham will have a mark on them, and that mark is to say, we're still waiting for the seed. We're still waiting for the promise. There's still mm-hmm. one coming that will fulfill all of this reproduction. Like right. there is something about the reproduction of Jewish men under the line of Abraham and all the way back to Eve that is important to what God is doing in the world. And it's because there's one seed who is coming, and so this mark on their reproductive organs is. And what to you just show said
1: that. is actually really profound because. By the time we get to the New Testament, that is misunderstood. Definitely. Jewish people begin to believe that because they are circumcised, they are God's family line. That's right. And when it's actually the opposite is true. The reason God has promised them anything is because he's promised them out of his own ability and his own desire to see a line go through. Yes. And the mark of the covenant, circumcision, is just a sign and symbol that God's promises will come true in the future. Yes. So much so that when Galatians comes around, uh-huh. Paul uses the example of Hagar <laughs> and Sarah, <laughs> yep. and then immediately goes into how you are not saved. You are not made righteous before God. You're not made acceptable before, before God by being circumcised, mm-hmm. but by trusting in the promise of God. Right. Because, and like the covenant of circumcision's over because the one that the sign pointed to is here. It's exactly it's right. You don't need to keep doing it. you He's here. You he's just here. believe in him. And what Paul says, if you continue to believe that cutting off part of your penis yep. is what makes you righteous, yep. he'll, he'll just say, <laughs> just what? go ahead and take off the whole thing. Just chop it all off. <laughs> I would rather you emasculate yourself. Right. And for him, it's also a symbol of like, if you think doing enough good works mm-hmm. will get you into heaven, then even if it's just one good work, right. eating kosher, yep. observing the Sabbath, it's just circumcision. You're still obligated then. What you're really saying is not a medical... You're not making a statement about a medical procedure. Mm -hmm. You're making a theological statement. Yes. You're saying... I at least have to do one thing. God can't do something. Right. And that one thing that God can do, I can do. And so what you're really saying is, I can save myself by something that I do. And Paul says, if that's the case, then go ahead and be consistent. You got to go all in. Cut it all off. all or nothing. Do the whole law. Be perfect. That's right. Would you rather be perfect or would you rather trust the promise that God has said would come and has come in Jesus. Yes, so it's really cool. So I like that,
0: I, I like that a lot. Now, oh, I've got a question for you, a, okay. a, a head scratcher. I wanna get your opinion on a this head scratcher, if, if you will. Uh, what do you think about the link between circumcision and baptism? Oh. Uh, have you thought about that? Yes. Okay, what's your opinion on that? Because people have said that like, uh, a lot of people think that baptism is the new circumcision. It's like 30 is the new 15 or something. <laughs> Black is the new... Orange is the new black. Orange is the new black. Yes.
1: Yeah. So, so what, what do you think about that? Um. What circumcision did was it was a sign that God had promised something yep. to the nation of Israel. Right. And so baptism is a sign that God has promised you eternal life yes. in his son. Right. You trust in the promises of God. You trust in the promise that all the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. And you confirm that trust in the promise through this outward act of either uh, either circumcision or baptism. Yeah, that's I think, what I think.
0: I think so too. I think it's pretty fair. So, but what? So, but then we've said this whole thing about like adding on one thing to your salvation that you're trusting in ends up ruining it all. Basically, right. uh, I mean, baptism kind of has that ability, and, and we've seen it uh, throughout church history that it's been a very divisive issue that people have argued over we see it in acts people argued over circumcision and now people are arguing about it. I just think it's interesting that it's also it's not only the the sign and sign promise promise kind of come right. to a fulfillment in terms of them uh, replicating each other you also have the battles being fought over right. circumcision and baptism. In the same
1: way that circumcision and uncircumcision throughout biblical history and even like the warfare like mm-hmm. the warfare of the ancient near east like that was a cause of conflict right baptism ha- historically has been a cause of conflict within the protestant traditions right. since the reformation onwards and like literally people have died yeah definitely over the issue of baptism because it is a profound symbol of what the covenant is and what it is not right and so if you get that wrong if you begin to believe that salvation comes by our own works something that people start believing blood needs to be shed over it right like it's an important thing although i don't think that was the right response no that's definitely not that's what yeah anyway
0: i just like a sober little sad observation to make about it but oh we'll move on um and so then after uh, God gives the covenant of circumcision, He promises that Isaac will sh- like you are going to have a son. Is this the first time we get his name, Abraham? No, uh, no, his son's name. Is this the first time he's told his you should call your son Isaac? Yes, I think so. Okay, so we get a, we get a name now. Now Isaac.
1: I now I know what to call my unconceived son. Yes, Isaac. Isaac, and also Sarai changed the name to Sarah, right? Which means princess. Oh, because she's going to bear bear kings. Yep, like she's going to be bear kings.
0: That's right. And so um, this all happens, and um, during this time that God's talking to Moses, or soon after there, um, these three men,
1: right, come to... Yeah. Abraham's house. So God confirms the promise. Right. Says your changes Abraham and Sarah's name and gives the name Isaac to the sons, which means laughter. Mm-hmm. And then right after
0: that Because because they were laughing at the absurdity be, of the promise.
1: Like, I'm so old. There's no way There's I'm. No get it way. Okay, we'll name your son that. <laughs> we'll name your son that. And it's this kind of beautiful irony. They yes. laugh at the fact that God could ever do that. And yep. then they laugh. Enjoy, Enjoy when as they him. as they receive yeah. the son, um, but after all this, three men show up on the doorstep, literally at the entrance of the the tent. Yeah, Abraham's uh, tent. Or Abraham's tent, and uh, Abraham runs out, says, "Oh my, oh my goodness, you're we have guests," and he yeah. starts building this whole thing for them, like a meal for them. Right, and at one point, he bows down and calls the guests. My Lord, the Lord. Yeah. Yahweh. Yahweh. Yeah. The name of God. And then these angels, or the, the Lord, then tells him and confirms the promise that Sarah will bear a son. Sarah right. starts laughing again, yep. just like we were told her name, Isaac, <laughs> uh, that name, Isaac. And Abraham um, blesses them with the meal before they move on. Right.
0: Weird. Yeah. Pretty weird story. There's these three guys, and at least one of whom is called Yahweh. So we already are getting this picture that God. Is able to like, or not able? Maybe the wrong word. Of course, he's able to do anything. But God sometimes shows up in physical form, of some of some sort, and like yeah. has a meal, which has is a... really strange. Um, uh, yeah, a lot of people don't know what to do with that. I don't often know what to do with that. Other than like, is it just as obvious as saying something like, "See God in flesh"? They they go together sometimes is this just like to get us ready for the incarnation of jesus or why is this story here well
1: here i think it's supposed to start showing you the differences between abraham and lot Mm. so we have this we have this we have this line these two contrasting lines yes And what ends up happening is three men come to to abraham's house to to the entrance of his Mm -hmm. tent he prepares a meal he does all these things and he bows down the ground and says my lord yahweh Mm -hmm. and worships him the same thing happens in front of lot with two men this Mm -hmm. time and he and and
0: lots in a different place over in Sodom Gomorrah he
1: is and they come to his tent uh, they come to the entrance of the city he makes the same meal he announces himself to them and says oh my lords oh and doesn't the the two stories are exactly the similar except for that one detail lot calls them lords like kings princes rulers rulers
0: uh, just a, just but, a title of distinction.
1: Right, but Abraham calls him God. A divine title. So the difference between Abraham and Lot is that God has chosen Abraham, mm. and he's not chosen Lot. And that's confirmed if you look in chapter 17. Mm. And this is really interesting. In in 1817, God starts talking to himself. Oh, right. And you yes. never see this anywhere else in the story. And he says, the Lord said. Yahweh said. Yahweh said, Yahweh said shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Mm. Seeing that Abraham surely shall become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him, for I have chosen him mm. that he may command his children and his household. And Lot, where we're sown, is not chosen. It's right. actually under threat of judgment from God. So Abraham prays and said, God, don't destroy Lot's city. Mm-hmm. And then there's this whole scene where God, <laughs> God and bar Abraham her. bargain with each other. Yeah. How many righteous people need to be in the city? 50,
0: before? 40, 30, 10. 10 out of 10. If there's and, 10 good people in the city, I won't destroy it, God says. Which, like, you know God's sitting there going, like, I, I know there's, like, none. Or maybe
1: one. Right. And then the question you're left with, why why stop at 10? Right. And what you're really asking is, what if there's less than 10? Yeah. What will God do? What if it is Lot one of the, one yeah, of the few the, righteous? Yeah, that's kind of the question. It's like, is Lot the one righteous person? And what ends up happening is you find out that Lot isn't the righteous person. No, he is from the false line. Mm-hmm. Abraham is the chosen line, and he's going to set up the kingdom of the Lord. And Lot is from the seed of the serpent, and the city that he's a part of is just—it's horrible. It's—it's—it's it's, it's so horrible. It's so dark because the, these
0: men come like they came to Abraham, and they come and they're in Lot's home in Sodom and Gomorrah,
1: and um, the, people the people that people. The people that Lot should have called Lord. Oh yes, <laughs> it's just like yeah. he's supposed to call this person Lord and give them yeah. the dignity of God, but instead he, I don't know, undignifies them or something like
0: that by, um, because he has them in their home and the town hears that there are these like semi-gods or something yeah. in in his home and they they come and want to have sex with them. Yeah. it's it's taking us back to the Nephilim, like they were like yeah, we've heard stories. Right. That our fathers, 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 fathers were able to somehow have sexual intercourse with these gods and create these mighty men. We want to do that too, and uh, now Lot fights them off, though,
1: right? Uh, kind of. <laughs> he offers his virgin daughters,
0: mm, noble move, as
1: bait. <laughs> like they he said, it's like sleazeball kind of move. Like, don't don't have sex with these angel men mm-hmm. or these rulers. We don't right. know what Lot's. Understanding of these men is. He said, "Have sex with," and he offers his two daughters as their victims instead. Yeah. And instead of doing that, the angels, these messengers of the Lord, they cause everyone to go blind. Yeah. So nobody gets raped, and we're told the last scene is, and they groped until the morning trying to find the door. Goodness. It's this just this dark picture of how depraved the mm. city of Cain has become. Oh, yeah. How depraved the seed of the serpent will will, right. will go.
0: And it's interesting, too, that you made this note that Abraham could see these angel men for what they really were, so he calls them Yahweh. Cain, or Sorry, uh, Lot was kind of blinded from seeing who they truly were, right? And only gave them a distinguished title, lowercase, Lord. Right. Um, and, and what happens is Lot's blindness gets passed on to those around him. The mm. whole city becomes blind. All these people become blind. And it's not like, it's like kind of like where Abraham will take a blessing to those around him, right? We're told over and over again. Right. Lot just extends the curse and blindness mm, all around I him. I didn't think about that. Yeah. I don't know if that's something that the biblical author is trying to do, but it seems I think, like a... I think it
1: does end up coming back around because after this scene, when they escape the city of Sodom and Gomorrah by mm-hmm. God's mercy, right. and we're told in answer to Abraham's prayer. Yes. Uh, lot and his daughters are hiding in a cave, and um, his their father the daughters decided you know there's nobody around here to get us pregnant we can't have a, a family line anymore mm-hmm. so what we'll do is we'll get our father drunk and we'll sleep with him so that we can have children, and so what happens is that what L- Lot wanted the crowds to do oh, to his he daughter ends up having to do he himself. ends up doing himself oh. so he wanted to give up his virgin daughters to the crowd he ends up giving himself to his virgin daughters wow. and incest. Yeah. So it's just this dark look that no matter that sin always curves back around on itself. Mm -hmm. And in some senses it's its own punishment. You reap what you sow. Right. But in another sense God will confirm it.
0: Yeah. I mean look at the sulfur falling down on Sodom and Gomorrah.
1: And what's interesting here is that it's not water. Oh, it's not instead the, of a flood. It's not a flood. Right. It's fire. Yep. And so God's maintaining his promises. Right. He's and it's keep, localized. It's localized. But at the same time, he's judging yes. sin for how awful and terrible it actually is.
0: Okay, so we're, we're nearing the end now of Abraham's story arc. And yes. um, something's about to feel repetitive. It is. Right? Which in the biblical word, world, we call these... Inclusios, Incusio. which is, is, is just like a fancy... Expecto Patronus! <laughs> patronum. Oh, Patronum. patronum. Oh, a Patronus is what you conjure by right. saying Expecto Patronus. So Come what on. do
1: you conjure when you <laughs> shout Inclusio with your Bible wand? You,
0: uh, <laughs> you summon a nerd. Mm. Yes. No, uh, but basically a good way to think about an Inclusio is bookends, right? So that, you know, bookends usually um, look the same. Yeah. Yeah, and they usually are mirror images of one another, and they hold everything together. Yeah, uh, and so at the beginning of Abraham's story, you have his call, and then he goes into um, this Egypt, this, Egypt, this new kingdom, and, and lies about his wife, who she is. He and says he's her the sister, king. and right. then
1: the, the king takes her and apparently just into his harem, into his yep. in, into his harem, and the same thing happens here. Right, they go into another kingdom. Yep ruled by this man named Abimelech. Great name. Uh, and he says, this is my sister. And yep. the king takes him into his harem. Everyone there becomes very ill yes. so that nobody can have any more babies anymore. A little so, plague. A plague. Uh-huh. And so we don't know why, how long she was in captivity. Right, before. because how do
0: you know if you're not being able to have babies and like, how long would that figure, take to but figure out? Yeah. the
1: point is, the same thing happens here that happened at the beginning of the story mm-hmm. and the same thing's going to happen again with in, Isaac. With Isaac. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about it more there. Yes. But for now, it acts as a bookend. Same thing happens, and instead of the promise being given, it's fulfilled. It's finally. fulfilled. Yeah, Isaac is born. Yay. we see Lot's line, the the seed of the serpent going downhill mm. and circling the drain mm-hmm. in incest, and sodomy, and fire. Yeah, and then we see the line of Abel, the line of Adam, mm-hmm. fulfilled with promises. Yeah,
0: even even after the morally questionable actions of of uh, Abraham with King Abimelech. Uh, And it's like, it's very interesting. It's like Abraham's lying. He's, I don't know if he's being a coward, letting his wife go and do these things. And yet God protects Sarah and his line through cursing the people. Right. And even keeping, I think this is the story where he actually keeps King Abimelech from sinning against Sarah. Like God's hand is actively working against the king to not let him sleep with Sarah in order to preserve this line from Abraham so Isaac can be born. And so God is actively mm. working in the midst of bad choices and evil, not because uh Abraham is just so great, but because he chose Abraham yeah. and he's the line that God has promised. And so what we see is that you you, you, you you take this part of the of the story and if you just did like an ellipses through the rest of the Old Testament, you would see again and again and again and again the story being repeated that People sin, we do horrible things, and God is still unfathomably faithful. He continues to uphold his side of the bargain so that this line that's marked off by circumcision will finally come to a completion when Jesus is born from the line of Abraham. This is the promised seed who will finally come and crush the head of death forever. And like God so is faithful
1: saying. to his promises to the end. Yep. And then, therefore, he will be faithful to us until our end and then beyond. Yeah. Eternal life.
0: That's so good. So that's kind of the quick story arc of Abraham. Um, we're working right now on the uh, Genesis introduction video, Ooh. which is really exciting. So that's kind of why we're working through this stuff. And um, we uh, we hope you guys are enjoying our work through Genesis. We're getting almost halfway through. And if you, are enjoying, through, if you are, are enjoying
1: or, it, you should like us on the internets. On the interwebs. On the webs. Yep. Like us on the podcast yep. app. Subscribe, leave mm-hmm. a review on your Apple Podcast
0: app or your wherever a you new listen. podcast
1: And that actually really helps. It helps a ton. So More give us people. a good
0: review and um, rate us. It helps a lot of people find us. Share it with your friends. That's uh, always really helpful.
1: Your children. Your children. My daughter <laughs> likes Maybe. listening to our voices yeah. occasionally. <laughs> that's, that's
0: really good. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, we just, we really appreciate you guys. We love doing this. And uh, we will be back next week with Isaac, the son of laughter. It'll be good. So Uh we'll see you guys there. Thank you for listening to the Spoken Gospel podcast. Spoken Gospel is a nonprofit dedicated to creating free gospel-centered media that speaks the gospel out of every corner of scripture. So to join us in our mission and view our resources, we invite you to visit SpokenGospel.com.